Hi, how you getting on? Are you ready for another episode? It's time to sit back, relax, and be inspired by Trials of a Sofa Surfer. Episode 10 of Trials of a Sofa Suffer. I'm Brian Reed, and we've made it, made it to 10. I wasn't sure if we'd get to 10, I wasn't sure if we'd get to two, three episodes, so really chuffed, bit of a milestone. So thank you for downloading, uh, subscribing, and uh, just generally being a brilliant audience. Uh, now, we want to hear from you, especially our listeners who have now sprung up around the world in Australia, Spain and the United States so please get in touch let us know where you're from uh, how you found out about us and uh, you know if you're enjoying what you're listening to today we have a conversation with John this is not John from episode 2 this is another John it's a pretty common name here in Glasgow (laughs) Uh, And John gives a very honest account of his life, his journey, and how his actions have placed him and others in vulnerable and severe situations. It's a difficult story to listen to, but it's one that's worth sharing. John's still in in the grip of drug addiction and crime. And he's desperate to get out. But that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. And John relies on the support here. As difficult as his situation is, he knows that through us he can change and he can live a different life. So sit back, grab a coffee. You know the script by now. And listen to John, listen to his story. And once you've done so, send us an email or a comment on our Facebook page, Twitter page, and let us know your thoughts. Because I think this episode will split opinions, and I'd love to hear both sides. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you at the end of the podcast. I think um, I was talking to Billy about this the other day. I think I came here in August, I think, August last year, 2018. So that'd be about nine months or something, I think, I've been here. I mm-hmm. think I've seen one of my my documents, 40 weeks. This is week week 40. So I don't know what that is in months. So how have you found it? Um, I, found it I found it challenging in a good way. Um, I was, I was aware of the arts and what, what they can, what, what they can provide. We, we, um, we first getting into recovery and people telling me about the arts and people, because I'd been in, I'd been in homeless, homeless accommodation before 
sports accommodation and and people that knew me knew knew of my past and people that were close to me knew that um knew that the staff at the arts would be would um would be better suited to me than than the, the places I had been before. Oh, as in, that was that was kind of them. Aye. It was um so it sounded like you were aware of uh, that we had a good reputation. Aye, yeah. and I was I was aware of them. Um, well, that's nice. I was aware of the, the, the support you give your you give your your, your tenants. But I know you just don't. And have you lived up to expectations? Aye, I don't think I have. I think I think you have. I don't think I have, Brian. Aye, um, aye, it's, it's been. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's been a uh, coming for the background I come from. It's, it was um, it was good to see that there was it was good to see that there was people out there that did care. The people did. Well, talking about your your past, your background. Let, let's go back uh-huh. again. Share as much or as little as you wish, but you know, let's let's go back. You know, how was school? When did you leave school? When mm-hmm. did you have qualifications? Mm-hmm. You know what, what? What was what was home life like? And do you want to know what Brian? We wanted for nothing. I come from there's. I've got two sisters. My mum and dad worked the boat house, so we wanted for nothing. But the, when I was younger, I was just always, I always wanted a dear a pair of trainers, dear a dear So it was, but um, no, I was growing up was, I'd say I'd say average. I'd say it was. I was pretty. Try not to use the word normal, but pretty, pretty normal, I'd say. Um, and secondly, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed school. I was pretty popular. I, I, I think I was anyway. I was, and um, I left there, and I had a pretty good job. I left, I had a apprentice electrician. So, um, growing up was, growing up was good. Um, I was. Well, my mum and dad worked so that as me and my sisters we kind of we had to learn to provide for ourselves kind of we had to make our own dinners we had keys for the house at early ages stuff like that so we'd come in for school and like there'd be no parents there so we'd uh, my older sister would usually be the one that made a dinner or something and um because my dad worked night shift so we, we, we never t- very rarely seen my dad and my mum would when you get in there like seven o'clock at night o'clock at night sometimes. So we were pretty me and my sisters were pretty self reliant for early age. My mum kinda my mum made sure of that. My mum made sure we knew how to cook clean. Just all the all the, all the stuff that's that was gonna serve us serve a purpose mm-hmm. later on in life. At the time we hated it, I, I rebelled yeah. against it, I, I didn't like it, I, I thought it was um, did you know why? I didn't know. I, I understood. I understood the pressures that they were under. They were trying to earn money to, to to pay a mortgage, to to supply three kids, and um, and provide for you. And provide for them. And they they, they weren't the my mum down the they they're no um. Uh, they, they weren't prof- didn't have professional jobs, so they were only on high wages. So I was I was aware of how hard they were working to yeah. 
Crafters. Ah, ich gehe Everton. Which, which, then, uh, I put, but I bet that went into us. Yeah. But then the, the, the other side is there was no home life as such. No, no there was no. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. no, there was, there was no, um, there was no coming home and sitting, talking to your ma about how your day went and whatever, how you're, how you're getting on at school and stuff like that. There was nothing like that. Yeah. There was no, my ma was, she was just making sure, she used to lift, make sure we'd do her teeth in the morning and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, emotion, but it was pretty... I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I couldn't go to mama or my dad with a problem, but I'd I'd say um, it wasn't normal. It wasn't the usual. The usual aye, thing to do. It wasn't done, and yeah. uh, I think my sisters were the same. I think yeah. they would agree. Um, uh, we were. And it must have been tough for everybody. I, I'm sure you you know being a parent myself, I think not being able to have that interaction because you're you're trying to supply in other areas, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that they would have felt that as well and, and felt a, a sense of disappointment maybe mm-hmm. that they couldn't have given them of themselves more to you because they were trying to provide in other areas. Yeah. That it's, became, tough. it's a tough it's a tough way. Of, that way became of more evident, Brian, when um, when, uh, when it, my addiction started appearing, when it started in my and once my parents started getting a bit of, my mother especially started getting a bit of awareness about what I was, the things I was getting up to and how I was treating myself. Um, I think, I think uh, there was a, a stage where my ma was, was, was blaming herself, I think. I think. So, so what age were you when you started dabbling? <laughs> shocking, I was, I think I was... I think I was 11, 12 when I started smoking dope. Um, very quickly I progressed, done the progression through um, all the, the, the drugs, the street drugs. And um, I, I found... I found they gave me something that I, I always I always felt was missing. They gave me... They, they filled a hole, that void that people, they talk about. That they, they felt that at the start. At the start, they did fall that, and um, aye, drugs was drugs was a problem in my in my my household. Um, my parents when they don't suffer for addiction. My ma hardly drinks, doesn't smoke. My dad likes a drink at the weekend. Probably drinks a bit too much at the weekend, but um, he's entitled to. He works all week for it, so it's, that's the way I see it. He's Works hard. Aye, so he's, he's entitled to his yeah. night. Um, aye, so it was saying, um, so to, for, for addiction to come in and, and ragdoll my family the way it did, it was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, there was a lot of shame, a lot of shame, guilt attached, and I'm not talking about just for me, there was mm-hmm. like, um, we were tied it. We were tied it for other family sources. Yeah. We were tied it for family friends and and aunties, uncles, and stuff like that. We would so how how quickly did it go from you know, smoking a bit of hash to you, you use the word addiction? So how how quickly did that occur? Well, she'd been honest, Brian. I didn't know. 
I didn't know. I was addicted to drugs until I got to... I think I was... I was, uh... 2015, that knew about her recovery, that said to me, eh, John, I think you need to get a rehab, and, that's, and I didn't know anything about recovery, I didn't know anything about services in Glasgow, I didn't know anything about... So I just knew I was done in, I knew I was broken, and in a, a bad way, my mental health was, was, um, was, was poor. So, I just thought that that's what we done. I just thought that's, that was, um, cause my education was in the street. That's where I got my education. So it was, um, everything I, all the stuff I thought I lived my life by and rules and morals and that, that um, to find out at the age of 38 that that was all a lot of crap was, uh, was a bit of, a bit of a, a shock to the system. And to find out that um, that I was an addict, it was um, it's kind of it was hard to take. I don't know if I still, I think I still struggle with that. To be honest, Brian, I think I still struggle. I think that's the the, the power of the the power of drugs. I think I still struggle with if I'm an addict. Accepting that you're an addict. Except I getting some acceptance. Why, why do you think that is? Because my my experience is relapse ever since I come into recovery, Brian. It's I've relapsed. Um, I relapsed pretty soon after coming out of a, a, a rehab. So um, I think I don't know if I don't get a. I wasn't getting addiction. The 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 respect it's due, and um, I think it's only we getting to this age and realising that I've upset a, a family home, and um, I've also got my own family, dad, dad broke up, I've got a son at nine and stuff, so... Um, well, let's go back, let's go back a bit, let's not rush ahead. Aye. You said you... We're an electrician, trained to be an electrician. So uh-huh. how, how did that go? Um, I enjoyed it. And so you you were qualified electrician. I got the sack th- three years in it. I was just had a year to go, and I got my my papers. So um, I and uh, that's look looking back, that was all that was all drug related day. That was all. Um, I mean, I was, when I was doing that job, I was, I was always, I could always pick holes and stuff and it was always, oh, you had to work to half five on a Friday, you had to do every second Saturday. All my pals are all there, all finished at half five, or half two and half three on a Friday and it was just wee things, wee 
be things that were that didn't matter that that were big to me, and the, I was making them. I was making them a thing, but it's but it shouldn't have been. But, um, I had plans. I was young. I was ambitious. I had plans. I I thought I was. I thought I was going somewhere. Even when I lost my apprenticeship, I thought. I thought I was. I still thought I was. That's interesting. But but what kind of plans? Where did you think you were going? What was the? Well, I thought I was on my way to. I thought I'd have been setting my own business up, buying a house, getting on a property ladder, starting a family, all the kind of st- all the all the kind of stuff that um, all the material stuff. Is that is that a reflective thought, or, or did you think of that at the time? Was that a a no, plan, a it goal. was a plan. I, I was, I had that in my head. I was going to have these certain, these things in place for certain ages, mm-hmm. and it was. Um, Did you have a, a girlfriend at the time? Were you? Aye, uh huh. Um, I've always, I've had, I've, I've always been in relationships, um, albeit very few, but they've been, uh, they've been kind of long lasting relationships. And, um, uh, I was so life was positive. You had a good outlook. You were uh, you were mm-hmm. aiming for good things, mm-hmm. and then even when you get sacked, you still th- believe that that was achievable. Oh, aye. Mm-hmm. So what happened after you left that employment? Well, when I left that employment, I got a, a quickly, a very quickly got into an oil job. I was working as a a satellite, a satellite installer. So I worked for Sky installing satellite, and um, that was another good job. So um, I've always found that I've been good with my horns. I've been good. To, um, I've always, I've always been. I've always knew how to earn a living, whether it be legally or illegally. And run about this, run about this time has been. Um, I started getting involved in selling drugs and the dancing and everything was um, this is when things started getting a bit more serious for me things I was getting a bit more deeper into the the underworld side of things again again were you aware of that or is this a reflective thing did you know at the time you were getting deeper it was conscious decisions um, Do, are you aware that you could have decided not to? At the t- again, I, at the time, yeah. Uh-huh. I um, I'm very aware it's it's uh, it's my decision making that that's that's my problem. It's always been my problem. Um, I make I make I make very bad decisions, and I to me they seem rational. They seem. But so what was the attraction then? Because obviously something about that must have attracted you to. Aye, I make think that it decision. was the, the fast money, the cars, the the girls, the, all that all that stuff that comes with it. That was it. That was very attractive to me. Um, but able to get up and lie in my bed to ten, eleven o'clock, and get up and do what I want, when I want. Um, aye, that's that was that side of things that was attractive to me. I'm going to lie, it was uh, it was the money and the the drug scene. 
the dancing that was attractive to me. Um, trying to keep my fit in both camps at this time, trying to keep my fit in, in the normal world, what I would call the normal world, the, the guys that got up and go to their work every day and, and live that life and and um, do, do normal, regular things. I was trying to keep a fit in that world. At the same time, I was getting into Class A drugs and... and... and uh, I... and then prison started... prison started becoming a... a kind of major factor in my... in my life. How was that for you? How did you cope yeah. with that? Bravado, that's how I coped to that. I coped to it by, by putting a mask on, by putting a, uh, by putting a, putting a persona on. Because I think, yeah, I think the, I think prison affected me a lot more than what I, than, than I admit or, or even talk about. Was there help there, support? Anyone help direct you to maybe? Move away from the that kind of lifestyle. I wasn't aware of any. I wasn't aware of any anything. I think. Um, would you have listened? I don't think I would have at that time. I think um, I was. I was very ignorant. I was um, ignorant. Ignorance was bliss in this in this uh, in this period of my life. I just. Um, if somebody was to come in and tell me about a service and try and engage with a service, I'd have. I'd have been. I know exactly what I would have thought of them. I know exactly what I would have what I would have thought of them. I would have had um, I'd have had the street mentality. Uh, they've got they're working an angle. They're this isn't they're grassies. They're working for the coppers stuff like that. I would have and um, I I would I, I wouldn't have engaged. I wouldn't have listened. I, I was too caught up in. I was wanting to get involved in. I was wanting to get involved in the drug scene, selling drugs and and. Fair to say you were enjoying it. Aye. In hindsight, in hindsight, um, hindsight's a great thing, but I um. But uh, looking back, there was nothing. There was nothing enjoyable about what I was mm. what I was going through. You said at the time you, you, you had a foot in both camps. So the the other side of that, so I suppose it's like two sides of one coin. So the the other side when you were trying to be normal, whatever normal is, you're you're, you're working, you're you're living the life of a, a normal person, as you as you called it. What were you, what was attractive about that? Because obviously that must have been a there must have still been an attraction there, mm -hmm. whatever that was, to to keep you, mm -hmm. try to keep yourself grounded. I guess I don't know. What what was going on there? Well, I've always had this. I've always had this knowledge. Of, I've always had this. I've always known that the working man's the hardest man. Uh, that's that. I've always understood that, and and. I come from there's my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family were kind of a lot of them are all drug addicts and 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 done jail time and stuff like that and I, I know I know that it wasn't attractive 
I know that um, that going out and earning an honest, an honest living was attractive. Having a a a good partner was was attractive. Starting a a family that's that was attractive to me. Um, I guess your mum and dad were good role models then. I, I, I could. Um, you can appreciate what it was they done for you. To be honest, what they were trying to do for you. I certain there were certain there were certain elements in my parents that I, I would like to have copied. That I I would like to have their their hard working um, ethics, um, their their uh, commitment to family. Stuff like that, um, I would, I would, uh, I would, I, I would agree with you saying it, it was. They were good role models, but in, in the same sense, there was a lot of how should I put it? Um, there was a lot of dysfunction in my family. Um, a lot of stuff that's I don't know of. Um, I don't know of. It was a part in me, a part in me being an addict. I don't know about that today with that. There was um, a lot of, there was abuse and stuff like that in my family. Um, and I don't know, there was a part of me that wanted to be nothing like my parents or no. So it was trying to get that, I'm trying to get that, that balance of finding out who I was and, and, and taking taking these morals that I learnt after these two people but also trying to be nothing like 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 them and all. It was um sounds pretty confusing and it was. It was um, I think many people could relate to that really. I think most people uh, certainly from my experience that there's things that you do take from your parents growing up or your family background which are, you know, good good ethics, good good morals. A good work ethic, as as you'd said earlier as well, but trying to forge your own path mm-hmm. and trying to find an improvement somewhere, and and you know not take the elements that maybe annoy you about your your parents or your family or your siblings, and and trying to mould that into a, a future for yourself where you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess we all kind of feel like that to a degree. Aye, aye, uh-huh. aye. So there's, um, there's one thing I can say that they've always been there for me. That's I, I can't, I can't deny that they've always, always been there for me. Um, with addiction, but like you end up with, you end up with a lot of shame and guilt. So. Um, and have you discussed this shame and guilt with your parents? No, because it's 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 conversations that that just didn't exist in my household. That um, we communicated with screaming and bawling at each other. That's how that's the way we communicated in my house. That's um, that was how we. Aye, that's that's how we got our points across. And uh, as you know, that, that's no. You're not getting your 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 yeah. true feelings and your true um, point across when you're highly aggravated. Yeah. Or, um, so, 
Aye. So that part of trying to forge my own life, as you said, I it was I tried to I tried to be emotionally there for my son and I tried to be I tried tried it with my partners I've, I've I tried to be open and honest with my partners. Um, so when did uh, when, was, when was your son born? 2010, January 2010, and uh, I it was I'd love to I'd love to turn around and tell you that it was the best day of my life and all that all that kind of stuff and um, but my truth is. My truth is, it was, it wasn't the, it wasn't the worst day, but I was, I was using drugs, and I was using drugs at the birth, in the hospital, and um, so, I mean, I've never discussed this with the Wayne's more, because uh, I, I don't know how, I don't know how she would feel about it. I really don't, because um, it was, uh, it was a, a, a poor, a poor show for me. But again, that was the, the power the dogs had on me. That was, um, as soon as I found out she went into labour, the first thing I'd done was go and score because I was like, right, I might be up here for days, I might be up here for a day, and I'm, I'll need to have X, Y, and Z on me. So it was like, I didn't realise how much um, drugs were going to be a major part of my life. Although um, I always thought I had, I always thought I'd control it. I always thought that I was in control. I mean, um, as I said earlier, it took me to I got to thirty eight to ask for a horn. Um, and to and to come into come into recovery and get that awareness about your dating people and, and what you're doing to yourself. It's pretty. It's hard to take. I think it's um. It's the emotions that I kind of deal with. It's all the emotions that I pop up related to that, I kind of deal with. I don't know if it's because that's it's something I'm not used to. Um. I'm not into the blame culture. I'm not into the. The, ah, well, it's my parents' fault, it's because I wasn't loved enough, because of this, because of that. I'm not into that blame, but I dare say, I find addiction a lot of contradictions, because it's like, they tell you, um, I'm saying I'm not into that blame culture, but I'll blame myself all day. I'll blame my, I'll, I'll, I'll be really hard on myself. I mean, um, I quite, I find my experiences, I, I make myself suffer a lot. I seem to, and but all these words I isolate, uh, all these words that you get when you come into recovery, I, I dare them, I, I hit myself with a big stick, it's like, and, um, Weirdly, I find comfort in that. I don't know, but that's... 
that's no healthy. I know that now, but it's, um, I find, I find comfort in it. Have you ever considered maybe just forgiving yourself? Has that ever come into your mind? Have you ever considered it? Brian, I didn't, I didn't know I had to, I didn't know I had to until, until, um, until coming, coming in here and getting, and getting honest and sitting having talks like with yourself and, and other staff members. Because, um, I would have just, see if I didn't come into, come into recovery, I would have just plodded on. And that ignorance I'm talking about, I would have been, that would have been uh, rife in my, my existence. But um, it's something I've never considered, Brian. Because um, it's, it's, nobody can really carry all that weight of guilt, shame, um you know the the, the the things that you spoke about and uh, that you obviously carry with you um nobody can do that nobody can do that long term and it's you know you hear maybe folks saying you need to give yourself a break you know you need to give you know to take that pressure off yourself mm-hmm. it's yeah it's something i think a lot of people who you know in your situation need to do, and mm-hmm. I, I and I can appreciate that that might be hard and very difficult to do, because um, guilt is a strong emotion. Aye, it certainly is. Aye, it certainly is, and it was um, it was with the staff in here getting me hooked up with counselling that got me it gave me an awareness of things like that I mean um, I didn't get I didn't I mean even talking to a counsellor the stuff like that for me that was that was so so alien to me so so indifferent to how I was I I seen things and done things, went about things. But um, I got something at that. I got something at going to going to that counselling. I got um, I needed it because my mental health is so 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 bad. Um, I found I found that talking to somebody did did help it. But these. It brings me back to these services, being being aware of these services and being aware of but but the services you're entitled to and, and uh, that just it wasn't prevalent in my in my life. It was it wasn't in prison. It wasn't it wasn't put a, put across to you in prison that these places were out there for you to go and to try and engage with. These places will help you. It was, um, you kind of had to find it yourself or aye. stumble across it. Mm-hmm. What homelessness, when did homelessness become part of your life? It was about when I came out of treatment in 20, 2016. So before then, you, you always had a home, you'd always had a aye. accommodation. I've, it, had, um, 
I've had several flats. I've had, uh, I've had several flats and they've been, uh, they've been crazy. They've been nuts. Pulls out the door, drug dealers, uh, parties, fighting my neighbours, all, the, all that stuff. They just know. Couldn't run my own house. I couldn't, I was, didn't have the ability to, to run a flat. And um, I'd, I'd several flats. So as a result of being involved with punting drugs and stuff like that, I'd, they had me done as being intentionally homeless. So I couldn't. When I was going to going to places, they wouldn't they wouldn't help me because I was coming up on a computer saying that I was intentionally homeless, which meant they they they, they had they they were they bashed their horns uh having to give me any any mm-hmm. sort of accommodation. So what what was your accommodation at that time then? Um, backstay my parents, sofa surfing, stuff like that. Until uh, until I got on a until I got a care manager, I mean on a script, and then that's when that's when I started getting into homeless accommodation, supposed accommodation, because I. Uh, In terms of you, you will will have heard this week about the cuts to funding. Mm-hmm. In, in the city, uh, which relates to places like ourselves, supported accommodation and, and, and other places uh, in favour of housing first, rapid rehousing. So what's your sort of thoughts on them? As you said previously, you couldn't manage your tenancy, so what's your kind of thoughts on well, places like ourselves possibly you know, changing or, mm-hmm. or not being here? in favour of housing first? Well, my opinion is uh, um, Glasgow City Council better, they better have a lot of properties because where are all these people going to go? I mean, but is it, we've got in here, is it 12, is it 12 flats in here? So say, and it's a six month programme in here. So say, so that's 24, 24 flats alone a year. Just out of one service, they're going to have Glasgow City Council's going to have to supply. But do you think that the wraparound support that will be an offer will be enough? Would Would you have coped in a tenancy if if someone had said, "But well, we'll come so many hours a week and and support you in your tenancy"? Do, would Would that have been an option for you? Would you? I wouldn't have been when the support came. That's the truth. I wouldn't have been the flat. No. I needed to be, I needed to, to be around about people. I needed, um, I needed a lot of support, which I, which I didn't think I needed. Which you get in, in the arts, budgeting, cleaning, cooking, and just being able to shoot the breeze, get in and have a game of pool with the boys and get a, get a support off one of the, the staff, if I need to get something off my chest, go and talk about it. I, I needed that, which I don't think would have been there for me in a, in a, in a tenancy. I think, um, I think this place stands in good stead of being able to do it. But no, to answer your question, I don't think... Um, I don't think it would have worked for me. 
So what's the future hold for John? What's the plan? To be honest, I'd like to get back in contact with my my son, uh, try and repair relationships. And that forgiveness you're talking about, I'd love to be able to get to a place where I, I, I can I can honestly say that I've done that, get some work done on myself, and and uh, sustain my tenacity and live a hate this word, normal. Live a regular life. I'd like to, that's that's what the future holds for me. Very simple, basic stuff. Name of, I'm no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm no uh, confused about what I want anymore. For wanting a better word. Disillusioned is the word I was looking for, Brian. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of it with drugs and with that side of the homelessness I'm aware of, I'm totally aware about that side hot for me. Um about a positive a positive life, a nice positive life with with good people around about me. That's all I want. That's all I want. So if you had any advice for anyone out there, what would you what would your advice be? Try and find out about the services that are out there. Find what works for you and, uh, and get a try. Get involved in as many services as you can because we're quite lucky in Glasgow. There's, there's a lot a lot out there. And I'm working with one now called Pop, Positive Outcome. Um, and that's, that's due to my, my re-offending, which is, um, aye, so I would, I would just say getting Find out about services and um, give it a try. My heart breaks for John and others in his situation. I'm desperate for him to find a way out because it's situations the people have got themselves into and they find it difficult to get out. The arch may be that way out, but I hope you will join me in praying for him and for the thousands of people trapped in addiction, homelessness and despair. It truly is a living hell. Here at the arch, we need your support. We cannot provide everything ourselves. We need your prayers, your goodwill, and your generosity. Please consider a standing order or a one-off gift to ensure that the arts continues its good work here in Scotland. Some say that John and others like him reap what they sow after the misery and the despair they put upon others by their actions. That may be so. But for me, I think love conquers all. Love is an action word. Action your support for the arch today. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments about this episode or any other previous episodes, then contact us via our email address, info at scottishchristianalliance.org.uk.
www.thepodcast.co.uk or leave a comment on our Facebook page or website www.scottishchristianalliance.org.uk You can also contact us via Twitter at archthe or Instagram which is scarch36 S-C-A-A-R-C-H-3-6 Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, your support. Uh, please share this podcast and share our others. Go back and listen to the ones that you might not have listened to because there's some brilliant stories. It's a real pleasure having conversations with uh, the people that I have been having conversations with. I want to thank John for uh, being this week's guest. Yeah, it was brilliant. Thank you, John. It's a real privilege to work here and have the job that I have and to do the work that I do and to have the further privilege to have these conversations with the people that I have been speaking with. It, it is truly brilliant. But it's only worthwhile if there are people out there listening. And I know there is people listening, so thank you for that. But share these stories. Tell people, tell your friends, tell your families, tell your work colleagues. Tell friends that you meet on holiday. Tell everybody. Because there are some brilliant stories there. And people who need to be heard. Give them your support. Send me a message, I'll pass it on if that's what you want to do. But it's been it's been great. I'm Brian Reed, and until next time, please be safe and be blessed. <laughs>